You're listening to Bible Prophecy Daily, a weekday podcast where Bible prophecy matters and matters greatly. Shalom in the Lord. My name is Dr. Michael Weiss with Zion's Hope. I'm in a series called Defining End Times Terms Biblically and Why It Matters. These are common biblical words or phrases connected to the study of end times or eschatology. So far I've discussed the day of the Lord, Daniel's 70th week, the mark of the beast, the antichrist, restrainer, end of the age, and more. For this session, I want to tackle a two-word phrase that is strongly connected to one's view of the end times. You say, what is that phrase? This generation. Now, various prophetic views have their own meaning. For those who view end times through a lens that says everything is historical or fulfilled, such as the preterist or historical view, they say this generation refers to those whom Jesus spoke. That is, he was talking only to his contemporaries. Futurists will often say, well, this generation refers to those who will be alive at the end of the age, at the end of time when Christ returns. And there are other ideas too. But as always, not everyone can be right. So how do we find out? Well, we go to Scripture. So we're going to look at this generation in the Bible. Now, it's actually used quite a few times in Scripture, Old and New Testament. I'm not going to cover all of them, but I'm going to cover some of these verses. First is Matthew 23. In this context, Jesus rebukes the Pharisees, calls them hypocrites, snakes, vipers, and basically says they would have partnered with those who murdered the prophets, and then he calls judgment upon them. Then in Matthew 23, 34-36, Jesus says this, Therefore, behold, I am sending you prophets and wise men and scribes. Some of them you will kill and crucify, and some of them you will flog in your synagogues and persecute from city to city so that upon you will fall all the guilt, or fall the guilt of all the righteous blood shed on earth, from the blood of righteous Abel to the blood of Zechariah, the son of Berechiah, whom you murdered between the temple and the altar. Now, it actually goes back to the Old Testament, Genesis to Chronicles, which is the Old Testament within the Jewish canon. Truly I say to you, Jesus said, all these things will come upon this generation. Matthew 24, 32-35. Jesus said, Now learn the parable from the fig tree. As soon as its branches become tender and it sprouts its leaves, you know that summer is near. So you too, when you see all these things, recognize that He is near, right at the door. Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Look also at Luke 21, 29-33. Now, Luke 21 refers to the destruction of Jerusalem in 70 A.D., but the text goes beyond that to the end of the age when Christ returns. So both are there in that context, in that chapter. And this generation is within the context of the kingdom of God coming near, which is the millennium, as I mentioned in this series. Also, Mark 13, 28-32 refers to the same events. But Mark adds that the day and the hour is unknown, to everyone except for the Father, which refers to the Feast of Trumpets. Again, another reference to the return of Christ. Now, Mark 8, 12. Sighing deeply in his spirit, he said, Why does this generation demand a sign? 
Truly I say to you, no sign will be given to this generation. Whew. So what can we make sense of these verses? First of all, Jesus didn't tell us what he meant. Second, his audience knew what he meant. <laughs> Third, Jesus used the phrase in different contexts. Fourth, it's hard for us because we are separated from his words by thousands of years. That's why we go to the original languages when we can and the context and, of course, pray. There are other verses that contain this phrase, which you can look up, and I'll mention a few of those here in a little bit. Now, the Greek word is gene, G-E-N-A-E-A. Gene or genei can have different meanings, again, depending upon context. It can mean offspring, birth or descent, or the quality or character of people. Now, the first definitions don't surprise us at all. They make perfect sense. It means those who are alive, who are descendants of those who came before them. But that last one may surprise you. That is, within a Jewish context, this generation is not about when people live, but about the character of those people. You say, what's the basis of that? I'm really glad you asked that. This belief is based upon what Moses said in Deuteronomy. In Deuteronomy 1, we have a summary of what happened to the Israelites as they prepared to enter the Promised Land, along with their failures. <laughs> Referring to their time in the wilderness, Moses said this in Deuteronomy 1, 34-36. Then the Lord heard the sound of your words, and he was angry and swore an oath, saying, Not one of these men, this evil generation shall see the good land which I swore to give your fathers except Caleb the son of Jephunneh. He shall see it, and to him I will give the land on which he has set his foot, and to his sons because he has followed the Lord fully. Deuteronomy 32 contains the song of Moses. It begins this way, Listen, you heavens, and I will speak, and let the earth hear the words of my mouth. He's actually calling witnesses to what he's going to say here. May my teaching drip as the rain, my speech trickle as the dew, as droplets on fresh grass, and as a showers on the vegetation. For I proclaim the name of the Lord, ascribe greatness to our God, the rock. His work is perfect, for all his ways are just, a God of faithfulness and without injustice. Righteous and just is he. Whoa, how wonderful. But then he comes to verse 5. They, that is the people, have acted corruptly against him. They are not his children because of their deficit, but are a perverse and crooked generation. And if you know the Gospels in the words of Jesus, that phrase should sound familiar. And from this point on, Moses reproves the nation for their sin with historical events and probable prophetic events too. And as you read that sad song, <laughs> at the end, God does avenge Israel's enemies, so there's a good part at the end. But do we see this idea elsewhere in the Bible when it comes to this generation being evil, a character quality? And the fact is, yes, we do. Psalm 95.10, For 40 years I was disgusted with that generation and said, They are a people who err in their heart and they do not know my ways. God's words. Jeremiah 2.31, a little bit of a difference in the translation, but you generation, look to the word of the Lord. Have I been a wilderness to Israel or a land of thick darkness? Why do my people say we are free to roam and we will no longer come to you? Very sad. Next, Matthew 11, 16-19, again Jesus' words. But to what shall I compare this generation? 
It is like children sitting in the marketplace who call out to other children and say, We played the flute for you, and you did not dance. We sang a song of mourning, and you did not mourn. For John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say, He has a demon. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they say, Behold, a gluttonous man and a heavy drinker, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. And yet wisdom is vindicated by her deeds. Basically, they were never satisfied with what was done. Mark 9, 19. And he answered and said to them, O unbelieving generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring him to me. And you can go back and look at the context. Luke eleven twenty nine. Now as the crowds were increasing, he, Jesus, began to say, This generation is a wicked generation. Why did he say that? Continuing on the verse, it demands a sign. And so no sign will be given to it except for the sign of Jonah. Hebrews 3.10 Therefore, I was angry with this generation and said, they always go astray in their heart and they do not know or they did not know my ways. That's a quote from Psalm 95, 7 through 11. So as we read these verses, and again, there are more, the phrase, this generation is used in different ways. Jesus used it in his rebuke to the Pharisees. Jesus refers to the nature of people and as a rebuke against the leaders in his generation and those who will continue in their evil until the end of the age when He returns in power and glory. In prophetic texts in the Gospels, there is application to the people with whom He spoke. He warned them about the destruction coming in 70 AD because of their sin and unbelief. However, we cannot stop there. This generation is used for the future at His return and not just God's judgment upon Jerusalem and the temple when they were destroyed along with the people. Jesus uses this phrase to refer to His physical return and the wrath that will be brought upon the Jewish people again, but also the world. For example, again referring to Luke 21, He warned of 70 AD, 40 years after His death and resurrection. But He also mentioned the future final fulfillment of what 70 AD pictured. When you go back and look at the text, there's a shift in his discussion to the future at his return when he appears to bring his rewards and judges everyone. That didn't occur in 70 AD. And contextually, this generation are those who will see the events that Jesus talks about, not just in the past, but also in the future. So how do we define this phrase? It depends on the context. It is used for the present generation to which Jesus spoke and for the future generation at his return. Again, this is very common in Jewish theology. They can have different meanings and multiple fulfillments of something. But it also referred to the character of the individuals in his time and at his return. And I believe the primary way this phrase was used was to refer to the character of the people, which goes back to what Moses wrote in Deuteronomy. But what can we learn from this? A lot. What is this generation like? I mean the time we live in, and the character quality of the people. If all of our education and technology and globalism, are we getting better? Are we becoming more righteous or more unrighteous? Say, well, the world is obviously becoming more unrighteous. Well, what about the church? Are we living submissive lives to the Lord or rebellious lives? And as we look around more and more, we live in a world of unbelief 
and a world that's rebelling against God. Just as Jesus compared that generation to a people who are never satisfied, we live in a world that is never satisfied. We always want more. More likes, more popularity, more power, more personal freedom to indulge in our own sinfulness, more control over others, more stuff, more money, and the list goes on. Aside from the culture around us, we even see this within the church and heretical teachings that pervade the church. Come to Jesus and you're promised health and wealth. It's a lie. How is our character? Are we becoming more Christ-like as time goes on or more selfish, apathetic, or anything else that's contrary to godliness and sound doctrine? That's some things for us to consider in this generation and the generations to come. I'm Dr. Michael Weiss with Zion's Hope. Be sure to visit our website, www.zionshope.org. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and subscribe to our YouTube channel, which has hundreds of videos. Yes, there's videos on end times, but there's so much more from our very gifted Bible teachers. Also, check out our website. Lots of free articles and resources there for you, and you can purchase books and DVDs and much, much more. So until next time, be strong in the Lord until He returns. Thanks for listening to Bible Prophecy Daily. We hope you learned something valuable today. Be sure to subscribe wherever you heard this podcast so you never miss an episode. 